Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Through the Noise podcast, which takes a look at recent developments and puts them in a long-term context, while also identifying potential opportunities for more nimble investors. My name is Hannah, and today I will be speaking to Steve about the Fed's apparent unilateral focus on fighting inflation, the US aggressive policy towards China and semiconductor supplies, and the potential opportunities provided by the recent spike in bond yields. So without further ado, let's get into it as we have a lot to cover. So welcome Steve to the podcast. You know, so let's start with the economies. A couple of key data releases over the past week. Um, but you know, how does this change your perspective on the outlook of the economy? Thanks, Hannah. Um, so I guess th- th- there were two really important releases, and they were the U.S. employment report and and U.S. inflation data. So the employment report saw the unemployment rate drop back towards cyclical lows, and that's for two reasons, right? So firstly, job creation remains relatively robust at over 100, 250,000 jobs, net jobs created uh, in the month. Uh, so this means from an economic perspective, of course, that's good news because it means that the economic expansion is likely to remain strong for a while, especially when you add in the 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 cash savings consumers still have left over from the pandemic stimulus. So you're seeing wage growth and that that, that cash savings uh, can be used to uh, fund spending. The second thing is the participation rate, uh, which is the proportion of potential workers uh, that are employed or actively seeking employment fell slightly. So Again, that's, you know, if you look at the overall picture, the tight labor market means that wages are likely to continue growing. Uh, Unfortunately, that's likely to be at a pace that's faster than the Fed will be comfortable with. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But overall, it is still quite an inflationary environment. And then the second report that we had was on, on Thursday was the uh, US inflation report, which showed the highest core inflation for 40 years. And I think that just shows the challenges that the authorities have. It's clear that the growth expectations around the world, but also in the US are weakening. Um, but inflation is still very, very elevated. So it's, it is a challenging situation. Yeah, that is quite a handful of data over there. So, I mean, if you could help us, how did, what does this mean for the outlook for the US monetary policy then? Well, the, the Fed seems to be in a hike now and ask question later uh, mode at the moment. So uh, I think there are things out there that suggest that the Fed should already be backing off from its extremely aggressive tightening cycle. Uh, so I mentioned earlier, growth expectations are weakening. So, I mean, if you're looking at 2023, uh, consensus expectation now is just for 0.7% growth next year, which is way below trend. Inflation expectations, long-term inflation expectations are very well behaved as well, sitting at around 2.2%. So yes, above the 2% level, but not that materially. Um, so, and you can argue that maybe that's okay. Um, but as I mentioned, the Fed seems to be on automatic pilot at the moment, and it seems like it will take a big change in the fundamental picture from an economic or an inflation perspective for them to stop hiking rates. Now, if we look forward to what the Fed's likely to do in the near term, uh, the data that we saw from the inflation side in particular probably means a 75 basis point 
a hike at the next meeting in early November is, is, is almost a done deal, right? There's no such thing as a, a sure thing, but that looks um, very high probability. And I think the markets overnight were pricing in 98% probability of that 75 basis point hike now coming in, in, in November. To be fair to the Fed, they did the, the, the FOMC minutes, so the meeting from the, the, the policy meeting minutes, did allude that some were concerned about um, you know increasing risks in the economy and in the financial system, uh, and that at some point they may need to recalibrate the pace of uh, interest rate hikes to, to 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 less hikes or less severe hikes at least at some point. But I think for now. The, the the balance is still for them fear, fearing that they might do too little rather than doing too much, and I think the inflation data uh, will just really reiterate that uh, in in their mind. So, you know, seventy five basis points in November. Um, the Fed indicated at that meeting that it's probably looking at fifty basis points in December, but if anything, the risks are probably being skewed to another seventy five percent basis points uh, in December if the data, particularly the inflation data, remains as strong as it is today. Right. And I, I guess the one question investors will always have, you know, when they're faced with such hawkishness is how should they really deal with this environment then? Yeah, so it's 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 obviously a really good question. So, I mean, maybe let, let's start with our short term outlook and then how we'd be positioned. So, you know, given the probability of a recession, and we're talking about equity markets, so given the probability of recessions around the world are rising, we are still cautious near term. And and until we get greater clarity that the Fed is starting to focus on supporting growth, um, then we believe that uh, global equity markets is going to be something like a bear market rally. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's still volatility and further downside ahead. That said, it's important not to get too bearish at this stage. So uh, we, we can argue for sure that a, a modest recession is already priced by the markets. Sentiment is already very weak, and many indicators are suggesting that equities are under-owned. So therefore, even a slight improvement in, in economic data could lead to a, a strong short-term rally. So what does this mean? Well, we, we think you shouldn't be throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Uh, we have a, a core or neutral holding of equities um, in our portfolios at the moment. So just to place that in context for an investor with a moderate risk profile that equates to around a 25 to 30% allocation to equities. And for a moderately aggressive investor, that rises to 40 to 45%. Um, so, you know, still significant part of the portfolio. And if we were to see either an improvement to the data, the Fed backing off from its aggressive tightening cycle and, and starting to focus on growth or valuations take another leg lower, then um, we, we become more constructive and raise those percentages. Think, three things to watch out for. U.S. earnings season is starting. Um, there are a lot of Fed, Fed speakers um, coming in, in the coming days. Um, they'll obviously be reacting to CPI data this week, so it'll be interesting what they say. And finally, on the data front, US housing data is going to be really important to see whether growth in that sector is continues to uh, deteriorate or momentum is weakening there. All right, so we've touched on equities, and I guess, you know, what about the outlook for bonds? We've seen so much movement in terms of bond yields. You know, uh, uh, what what is the outlook that the team has? Yeah, so um, clearly we've seen that, that spike in yields over the past week and the 10-year government bond yield tested 4%, actually went momentarily above 4% um, on, on Thursday night. Um, I think this, from our perspective, you know that, that's hit our target now for the rest of this year. Um, so it's obviously 
possible that they'll go um, higher in the short term, but we do believe this spike uh, present provides an opportunity to add to port bond portfolios. Um, and and in within that, we we still prefer investment grade um, bonds or high quality bonds in the US uh, or developed markets and and Asia. Um, the bond spike also, if you want to take a more diversified approach rather than just pure bonds, you can take you can sort of benefit from that higher yield uh, via multi-asset income strategies as well. So, you know, if we if we rewind just over two years um, two years ago, it was difficult to get four percent yield on a on a, on a diversified multi-asset income strategy. Now it's easy to get over six percent. So this is getting a lot more attractive, even in the current uh, um, um, inflation environment, in our view. Right. And OK, I, I just want to touch on FX. So we've seen a lot of narratives coming up for yen weakness. You know, it's hit new lows against the dollar. And, you know, previously we saw the Bank of Japan coming in to intervene. But um, when do you think that the, that, that the Bank of Japan will intervene again? So I think generally they use their um, bullets fairly um, um, in a constrained way because they don't want to be trying to draw on a line in the sand. Um, they don't want to lose, right? So I think you know, the Bank of Japan ha- clearly has a, a, a difficult balancing act at, at the moment. Um, so they won't want to draw a line in the sand, as I, as I mentioned. So I think yeah, we're probably going to continue to make um, you know, highs in the short term. Um, so we're, we're challenging already. And, and actually, depending where you look, we might have breached actually the high that we saw in 1998. Um, but overall, um, you know, I think it, it would take the yen to weaken significantly further from there before the BOJ would countenance uh, a further intervention. So, um, so, so I think that's the, the, the key story. You know, if, if markets become very short, the yen, that's another indicator that the Bank of Japan may think that the, the impact it has with intervention can be greater as it co- leads to short covering, yen short covering. Um, but for now, I think they're probably going to be on the sidelines. Okay, Steve, I'm going to get you for one last question. So um, we know that the US put in place you know, a law that requires companies to seek approval before they can sell semiconductor chips to China. So any thoughts you know, on the potential implications or any opportunities that could arise from this, actually? Yeah, so I think, first of all, from a geopolitical uh, perspective, this is really important, right? So I, I, I think it's pretty clear that the Chinese authorities will, will see this as a direct attempt to limit its economic d- development and therefore uh, not be very pleased at all. And and will also then double down on its program to reduce its reliance on foreign technology in key areas such as semiconductors. Now, there's a lot, big conversation around how easy it is to do that in this space, but um, but I think that that was already a policy objective of the Chinese authorities, and I think this will just uh, redouble efforts in in that in that area. From an investment perspective, obviously semiconductor stocks actually around the world, not not just you know you'd think that would hit uh, the the region more, Asia more, but it's the world over. Semiconductor stocks have been pummeled. Um, while the the long term drivers and, and, and demand drivers for this sector are pretty positive, we'd be a bit cautious about buying here until the dust, dust settles and people have figured out exactly what it means. Um, the, the caveat to that is we have seen a very sharp sell-off already uh, and we've seen obviously implied volatility in the options market spike. 
Um, so it's possible that could um, offer some interesting income generating opportunities via structured products. But if you're looking at um, buying individual stocks in, in the cash equity market, uh, we would be a little bit cautious today. All right. Thank you, Steve, for helping guide our listeners through you know, what seems to continue to be a very difficult investment environment uh, for them to navigate. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with our Through the Noise podcast. So we'll end here and we wish you a successful week ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.